Hello, everybody. Adam Parks here with another episode of Receivables Roundtable. Today, I'm here with my very close friend and one of my closest mentors in the receivables management space, Mrs. Marion Sangalang, who is a vice president with the Bureaus Incorporated. How are you doing today, Marion? I'm doing very well, Adam, and thank you for such kind words. That's amazing. Well, absolutely. I have learned absolutely so much from you throughout the years. And I think it's important that everybody have an opportunity to learn a little bit from Marion. Um, but for those of you that have not been lucky enough to be one of your mentees through the years, could you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got to the seat that you're in today? Sure. It's a very long story, but I'll kind of give a high level overview. So, But it's a good story. Yeah, I think so. Again, um, I'll preface with it takes a lot of grit. So um, I needed a job. I was a single parent. I became a bill collector. That was 1984. And so since that time, I have um, worked with um, three different collection agencies in different parts of the country and um, worked myself into management. I started at the bureaus in August of 1996. So I just hit 27 years at the bureaus. And I did start at the Bureaus Incorporated um, as a collector. After having left a, a spot as a general manager, I came in as a debt collector. I was focusing on um, raising my child, being vice president of the PTA at the high school or in the junior high school. And um, as she grew up, I grew up with the bureaus and um, learned about what's involved in being a master servicer and purchase and sale of debt. Um, mm -hmm. I learned about all things related to litigation on accounts. That wasn't necessarily something that was um, big in the state of South Carolina where I was from. So I worked really hard with the bureaus and went on to be their marketing manager. So I was at that point when they were a big contingency agency, I was out um, looking for new clients. Mm -hmm. Then um, I became the director of internal strategic planning, where we really focused on analyzing everything. And when I say everything, I mean everything, everything. <laughs> we were analyzing everything, all things data. And um, through that path of that, we upgraded to a new collection software platform in 2003. And mm -hmm. so I had the um, honor, I'll call it, to learn um, SQL. And so I really learned how to be a geek. And I am truly a data geek. I, I never thought that I would be. And that's absolutely me. So I love all things to do with that. And then time progressed and we became, um, you know, a different type of organization where we started outsourcing 100% of the accounts that were purchased and placed internally, and we started placing them with a network. And that collection software platform that I mentioned allowed us to do things in a very systemic way that we didn't have before. And so it changed everything that our philosophy on how we wanted to manage the portfolios. And mm -hmm. so then in, I think it was 2013, I was um, uh, promoted to vice president of the Bureaus Incorporated and um, I manage all things operations support, um, some of our payment processing. So operations support is, oh, and all things IT. That also falls mm -hmm. under me because I can't seem to let go of that. 
but and all, all things, things document related, documentation yeah, management, documentation. digital media. Absolutely. Everything, all of that. Um, so that's where we are today. And again, like I said, I just celebrated 27 years. I think it was August 26th. Yeah, something like that. Well, I think it's amazing that you've kind of worked throughout these organizations and learned each one of those roles as you were kind of going through it, because I think it gives you a very different perspective, not only on the industry, but on your organization on the whole. Um, for anybody that's not familiar with the bureaus incorporated, because you are one of the best hidden secrets in the debt buying world, um, you know, tell us a little bit about the bureaus incorporated and what you guys do there. So the bureaus incorporated is a master servicer. Um, we master service for um, debt purchasers that place their accounts with us. And those accounts are then, um, we perform all of the analytics when the files are being reviewed to determine pricing. Mm -hmm. We perform all of the analysis when the accounts are then, when the contract is signed and the accounts are com coming into the bureaus, we do our own internal analysis um, we have our own proprietary scoring. We work with several of the different credit bureaus. And we then, of course, place the accounts out to our, our agency network and um, handle the accounts from beginning to end. So we place with um, a bankruptcy network to handle all the proof of claims. We place mm -hmm. with a deceased agency to handle all the probate claims. So um, the accounts are in our office from... A to Z. There's nothing in between other than, of course, when they go out to the networks for um, collections or litigation. Sure. And you're overviewing all of the compliance and management of those accounts so that you're, you guys are literally kind of the, the centralized location for a debt buyer or creditor to place their accounts for full uh, recovery management, which is not an easy task. And it sounds like from everything that I've been hearing, there's going to be a lot more volume in the space. And so in full disclosure, Marion and I were um, planning for a panel at the TransUnion Summit back in August, and we were presented with a lot of data between the RMAI um, keynote back in February and then kind of getting that update in August. And as a past president of RMAI, both of us having served in that role, um, we learned a lot about what is kind of expected in terms of the charge off rates, the vintage curves and how we're kind of seeing this wave of new accounts that are expected to enter the industry. And I remember as we were kind of going through that planning process, one of the things we started talking about was, I'm going to use my train track analogy again, was that we need to kind of develop or solidify the train tracks that allow us to run accounts so that we can pull as many accounts or as few accounts as we need to over time by having the right technology rail set up. Um, but now that we're seeing this increase, Marion, what are some of the things that you guys are doing over at the bureaus incorporated to prepare for the expected increase of accounts? It's a very good question. So <clears throat> over the last 60 days, we've made some tweaks to the existing process. So for example, mm -hmm. our director of outsourcing and litigation has always been responsible for all things related to the service providers or agencies. So he mm -hmm. was, he managed the onboarding process. He managed the placement process. He managed the, the audit process and the call monitoring process and the monthly monitoring of accounts 
all the while, he was also responsible for all things related to production. Um, mm. In reality, that's like 10 people's worth of work. It's a lot of work. And we all understand that. But we also understand that there's a lot that's about to happen in the first quarter. We understand that volumes are going to increase. We anticipate significantly. And so in preparation, myself and my team are taking on the role of the onboarding of the service providers. And so um, I'm tasked with onboarding um, at least five new service providers by the end of the year. We're focusing on the um, digital aspect and digital platforms that they have available. And so, um, and then again, back to that preparing, I, I mentioned that our director of outsourcing and litigation um, also handled the back end of that, which was the auditing, the annual assessments and the IT assessments. And so we have since split that up. And so my team, which also is the part of the IT team. So the mm -hmm. IT team now handles all of the assessments for all of the service providers and that's done annually. And then um, our president and chief compliance officer and his team now have taken on all of the, the audits themselves um, for the annual audits of the service providers so that our director of outsourcing and litigation is focusing on um, productions the day-to-day -to, -day to ensure that recoveries are where they need to be. And um, then again, um, with the new service providers that we're onboarding, ideally, you know, ideally there would be placements right away to place for them. But what we mm -hmm. know is that it's kind of like a, we're prepping our bench and getting ready mm -hmm. for what we anticipate to be a high volume coming in. And so been great discussions with all of these folks. It's a very interesting time to be in our space, right? And so as you're going through uh, kind of preparation, it sounds like you've taken the all hands on deck approach, right? Like we're, we're kind of taking that core functionality and we're going to divide that amongst our top executives and give each person a slice to kind of work their way through. And that'll speed up your time and put you in a really great position for going forward. Now, one of the things that you mentioned was kind of that digital first capability, right? And that's definitely something that we're seeing as a hot button across the industry. Is that drive because you're seeing kind of a change in the demographic of the consumer or is that change driven by the products that you're purchasing having been digitally originated? You know, is there a, a specific driving force behind that desire for digital communications? All of the above, <laughs> all of that. <laughs> so in reality, you know, when we first met and talked about what our plan was for mm -hmm. first quarter, we had to really think about what we wanted to, what we wanted to do to improve or what, let me back up, what we felt would in, enhance our existing strategy. Um, and that is um, a more digital approach. And mm -hmm. to answer your question specifically, it is both. I mean, mm -hmm. the issuers, some of the issuers are now providing email addresses. And there are other products that always have provided email addresses. Mm. And now that there's more product available, it just makes sense to onboard um, service providers that specialize in managing that type of communication platform. So 
many of our service providers have worked diligently to build out something that they may not have had before, or they've partnered with new vendors that offer a platform like that. So it's not that we are replacing anything that we existently have. We're simply enhancing what we what we already have. We're adding mm-hmm. to our existing network. And I wanted to make sure to preface this, being both of us past RMAI presidents, that we started with RMAI certified agencies. That's where it started from and um, reached out and have had great success in, in working with them. And we're looking forward to that. Now, there were multiple reasons for that, for using the RMAI certified agencies. My number one being responsible for IT is that I knew without a doubt that they had met the required IT requirements to be certified agency. And so that was a big deal for me because it's, um, again, with the FTC guidelines, the GLBA, all of the stuff that came out um, a few months back, it's been very, very, um, I'm not going to say it's been a struggle from what we've heard from other agencies to meet the annual penetration testing requirement or prove their level of oversight meets the requirements that are in the document that was provided by the FTC. So mm-hmm. this, um, the RMAI certification provides a lot of insight into exactly what type of security they have in place. So that makes it a little bit easier to start off. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. That's the answer to that question. Well, it feels like it's the baseline, right? So the RMAI certification program becomes that baseline. Like this is the minimum expectation that we have of anybody that we're working with. And then I'm sure you have um, some different building blocks that necessarily get stacked on top of that to meet your specific requirements or contractual requirements that you're dealing with from one of the debt buyers that you are servicing accounts for. Um, It feels like that's probably about the realm that you guys are are dealing with right now. But let me ask you this, as we think about, you know, kind of all of the opportunity that comes with increased volumes, are you seeing any risks out there that you're trying to mitigate as you're dealing with a higher volume of accounts or expecting to deal with a higher volume of accounts? I think all things related to the digital platform are risky. We're not familiar enough with it to understand um, all of it. I'm learning so much as I'm speaking with the agencies and um, talking with different vendors and understanding it. You know, I, I put, some, put something out on LinkedIn um, before DCS about um, learning. I, I needed to speak to a vendor that could validate email addresses for me. And I, I put this um, description of what the Google machine said was an email validation the amount of responses that I've received were crazy. And so for those of you that are watching this, I'm sorry if I haven't responded to you yet, but I will. So I I have been responding and trying to learn as much about email validation that I possibly can, because what I'm learning with a lot of the, the service providers that we're talking to is, while yes, they have a digital platform, they don't necessarily scrub for email addresses. And so I'm trying to understand it's my understanding there's a huge value in that. I want to make certain that I'm not the only one that sees this value. It's it should be something that everybody is doing if they're if they're using a digital platform to email. So I'm just trying to wrap my hands around it all. Risks emailing to a work number or a work email, mm-hmm. that's a risk. 
So I'm trying to make sure that those risks are mitigated as I learn and um, stumble through the learning process for all of it. Well, I think with your technology background, having deployed collection softwares, and I've been on your technology team a number of times throughout the years, which is how I think I earned one of my earned my position as one of your mentees through the years. Um, it feels like you're you're right at that that right intersection of understanding the business and understanding the technology. And now you're just exploring a new area of the technology, which is those digital communications, which comes with a very complicated kind of application stack to go with it, right? We've got to deal with domain validations, reputation of our domains and our email addresses. And like, there's just so many pieces and parts as you're going through it for, for those that are watching that are maybe going through a similar struggle. Is there like one thing that you've kind of seen rise to the top in terms of challenges in deploying those digital comms strategies? I think it's too early to say one thing. There's lots of things. Again, right now I'm going through the RFI responses to the, the, the questions that we sent out. And I know you've seen our RFI, Adam, it's, no joke. It's it's significant. Lengthy. Yep. Um, and it that is separate from the IT one. So yes, it is significant. So going through it does take time. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm powering through it as fast as I can. Usually it takes a couple of days and mm-hmm. reading their responses and I want to be as thorough as I can. So like I said, the what I see is many of the service providers are unique or are consistent in Mm. applying their own internal strategy. So I want to make sure that I I say this the the right way. So they're applying their own, their, their prior strategy to like using scoring and balance and, um, so they're, they're using those things and applying them to a digital approach, which I understand, but I'm trying mm-hmm. to understand fully. You know, I, sure. I still, I understand the cost that were associated in standard debt collection. I completely understand that. You know, you have collector salary, you have phone costs, you have letters costs, you have this, that, and the other. In a digital platform, it just seems a little different to me that mm-hmm. it, it's not the, it doesn't, seem like it's the same costs that are associated in a digital platform. And so I'm, I'm not quite certain how the scoring that they're using, looking for the propensity to pay as mm-hmm. everybody does is just as applicable, but okay. I, I get it. I mean, I understand it. They're focusing on, I don't know, again, maybe they're focusing on more texting to, or more emails to the higher um, scoring consumers. And that's really what I'm trying to wrap my hands around because I, I think I thought it would be different. And so I'm still learning. And again, I feel like I'm way behind the curve. There's so many other companies that are um, colleagues of mine that are already using these organizations. And so when I ask them and talk to them, it's like, what are you stupid? How do you not know that? And so I'm really just trying to make sure I understand. Well, it's using them versus using them right. And if there's one thing I know about you is that you're not going to do it unless you know and you're confident that you're doing it the right way. 
right? And so applying yeah. old strategies to new communication methodologies doesn't always make sense. And does propensity to propensity to pay was driven based on the cost to collect. But now the cost right. to collect is completely different down a digital strategy. And if that's going to be the case, and now we're trying to use digital comms to create an inbound communication to the organization so that we can now start to work with that consumer. It feels like, for me, it feels like we used to fish with a line and now we're fishing with nets. And now we're trying to throw these nets out there and we're trying to, uh, we're trying to do it in a much bigger way, but that creates a lot of complications in the process too, right? Like there's nothing easy about accomplishing that and learning the nuances of how each strategy plays into each communication channel. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're trying to unpack right now. That's exactly right. And using the ver the word unpack, that's exactly what I'm doing because it's a lot of unpacking. There's so yeah. much information and everyone's been so kind at sharing information and it's a lot to unpack. That's the best way to say it right there. Well, I feel like I can feel a follow-up episode in our near future here, Marion. Um, I really want to thank you for coming on and having this chat with me today because this is something that I think a lot of organizations are going through and preparing for the expected increase in volume, but I don't think there's a lot of people talking about how they're actually going forward and executing on some of those strategies to prepare themselves and their organizations for the future. So I appreciate the vulnerability that you share in coming on today and talking about an ongoing process. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, Adam. I appreciate it. Absolutely. For those of you that are watching, if you have additional questions that you'd like to ask Marion or myself, you can leave those in the comments on LinkedIn or YouTube. We'll be happy to respond to those. If you have additional topics that you'd like to see us discuss, you can leave those in the comments below as well. And hopefully I'll be able to get Marion to come back on here again <laughs> and help me continue to create great content for a great industry. But until next time, Marion, again, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you coming on and having this chat with me. Thank you, Adam. And for those of you watching, we'll see you all again soon. Thanks so much, everybody.